Welcome to the Heartbreak to Happiness Show with Sara Davison. If you're struggling with a breakup and you feel shocked, angry, betrayed, devastated, or sad and alone, then this podcast is for you. Best-selling author and award-winning host, Sara Davison, shares how you too can get on with your life to heal, grow, and move from heartbreak to happiness. Here's your host, Sara Davison. back to the show. Today, my guest is Laura Naser, a family lawyer. Laura is passionate about making family law more accessible and guiding those who are undergoing difficult separations by providing thorough yet understandable information. Laura has long been recognised for her leading and innovative work as a family lawyer and has been the winning recipient of multiple industry awards. Laura also has a book called The Family Lawyer's Guide to Separation and Divorce, How to Get What You Both Want, which is considered a must read for those navigating the complexities of a divorce or separation. So I am super excited to welcome Laura Naser to the show. Welcome, Laura. Hi, thanks for having me. Oh, I've waited a long time to have you on my podcast. I'm very excited. Yeah, we have. We've been trying to do this for a while. I know, I know, but that's because you're super successful. You're doing amazing things. Tell us, for those that don't know about you, a little bit about you, Laura. Well, I'm a partner in a firm called Pennington's Manchester Cooper. I'm based down south, but to be honest with you, I see clients from everywhere, from England and, and abroad. Um, I specialize in family law, so I do a lot of divorce and financial work for high net worth, ultra high net worth in particular. Um, children's disputes, so where parents um, are not able to agree over the arrangements for children. Um, prenuptial agreements, postnuptial agreements, increasingly um, for people who are unmarried, so couples who are maybe decided not to get married or in a second relationship and um, you know aren't yet there yet, but they want to preserve assets. So that's kind of my full breadth of, of family law that I cover. I'm also the family lawyer on Instagram and um, I use it as a platform to kind of help make family law understandable, break it down a bit uh, and explain processes because it's the kind of thing where people are up at, you know, three in the morning worrying about something. They can scroll on my page, find something that will help answer things, make it a bit easier for them. And I'm the author of um, The Family Lawyer's Guide to Separation and Divorce, How to Get What You Both Want, which was published by Penguin um, a couple of years ago now. Yes. And that's what I really admire about you and your work, Laura, is that you demystify what has in the past been, you know, quite difficult for us lay people to understand and quite intimidating. And you really managed to to simplify what, when you're in front of your lawyer, hearing the different terms and acronyms and things that are thrown at you, you you make it much more understandable, don't you, with your work? I think it's making it understandable, but also family law is so practical. I mean, yes, there's a huge amount of law, but the lay people don't need to know the intricacies of that. They are coming to me as a lawyer to say, these are my circumstances. Tell me what the answer is. So for me, it's also about making that kind of practical translation, applying the law 
but doing it in a way that means something to their lives that they can understand, help them visualize. Um, because depending on which side of the coin you're on, whether it's a decision made for you or you've made the decision, you, you know, trying to think about what does this mean for my life and visualizing can be just so overwhelming. It kind of blocks you sometimes. So yeah, making it understandable and making it applicable, I think is really, really important. And I think that's quite a modern approach actually to yeah. try to just um, make it seem just much more easier. The process doesn't need to be difficult. The, the, it doesn't need, it is overwhelming. So why don't make it any more overwhelming? Yeah. And actually, yeah. you've, you've made it sort of approachable as well, because your posts are just very friendly and warm and the advice is there. So I think you know, a lot of my clients will say that they are nervous about finding a lawyer. Um, you know, they, they find it because obviously most of you have sort of quite impressive offices um, going in there. It can be intimidating. Yeah. And then you talk a very different language, you know, so form E's and FDRs and QC's yeah. and I mean, when I walked in, I didn't understand any of those terms, but I didn't want to ask because I didn't want to look like an idiot. Right. So, yeah, because um, I didn't think I was an idiot. But when I came out, I felt a bit stupid, to be honest, because there were so many things that happened in that meeting that I just didn't understand, which I felt because it wasn't explained, I should have understood. So, you know, from your perspective, let's start at the beginning. There's people listening and they're thinking, right, I really need to find a lawyer to help me through. Now, you know, what would be your advice for someone that was nervous and at that point in their journey? I mean, finding a lawyer is probably the most critical part, but it's at the stage where you're most vulnerable, I would say. So if you're talking to friends and family about it, not everybody is. If you are getting some recommendations, but taking it with some caution, because whatever happened to your friend or their neighbor or whatever, may not, and it's quite unlikely to actually happen to you. So really the recommendations to come down to, were they friendly? Were they good? Were they available? How, what, how did they work with you? As opposed to what the outcome of their, their financial separation or child arrangements was, because no two families or circumstances are the same. If you're not getting personal recommendations or you've got some, but you'd still like some more, you know, having a good Google is, is quite good. Um, looking for people in your locality, but don't just go with whoever's popped up first on the search results. You know, really do some research on them. Look them up on the, you know, there's different legal directories, etc. Read their bio. Make sure that not only are they the right level of experience, but they've got the right expertise because being a family lawyer can mean different things. We all have different specialisms. So make sure you've got someone who deals with your type of circumstances. You don't want to instruct someone who um, doesn't usually deal with finances if the most, the main part of your case is a financial separation. Um, but then really it's about picking up the phone and talking to them. Um, you know, that's that's part of the reason I started the Instagram stuff is because people can see me, they can hear me, they can feel like, would I get on with her? So by the time they actually 
speak to me on the phone they already have a sense of who I am so many people say to me oh I already feel like I know you and that's exactly what I want them to feel because I want them to feel comfortable because so often you're telling your lawyer stuff that goes on behind closed doors that you may not tell your friends and family so you've really got to feel comfortable in opening up and being vulnerable crying in front of them having those outbursts of anger um so that, that's really important. It's just getting a personality match, not just an expertise match. And, and don't be afraid to call around, actually. You know, the, the, the person you want to work with, you're going to want to make sure they're going to pick up the phone and, and respond to you. So why wouldn't they be able to have a quick chat with you? And do most lawyers do that introductory call for free? Um, I, I don't know, actually. Um. I certainly am always happy if someone says, look, I'm going through this. Do you think we could have a chat? I'll always have a chat without any charge. In those initial calls, no lawyer can really give advice. So, you know, you can speak to as many lawyers as you like, but it's not going to be an advisory meeting. It's more just to get a feel for what what are your circumstances? Is this something that aligns with my expertise? Do you think having spoken to me for a bit that you like me and you'd want to work with me? We're very much a team when I work with a client. So they've got to feel like we're teammates, that we're equals. Um, So I don't know. I think a lot of lawyers probably would, but it depends. You know, if you're if you're the kind of the high net worth end, then I would say yes, without a doubt. Um, But, you know, that. It depends on case by case, really, and which law firms you're going to. Yeah, yeah. I mean, most of the lawyers that I work with will take a phone call, you know, um, and say, yeah, let's see if if it's a good match. Um, And those that don't, maybe the prices are going to be too high, or maybe if that's their attitude, you don't want to go to them. So, again, I think it's about, yeah, the other important thing I think to mention is budget, isn't it? Because, you know, you've got to make sure that you might really like the lawyer, but if they're out of your budget, then again, that's not a good way forward. And actually, that's a really difficult question when clients ask that. You have that initial call. These are my circumstances. What is your hourly rate? And I always say be cautious to judge, to do comparisons based on hourly rate alone, because I have the benefit of working in a team and I will always have a junior associate or, you know, someone junior to me on the team. Um, and we have, you know, paralegals and trainees and PAs. So I will have a whole team that works with me and my client. I always lead it. I'm strategic advisor. I'm the legal advisor. Everything goes through me. But where appropriate, and often there is there are loads of things that are appropriate, I will ask my junior or the paralegal or PA, can you do this? Can you do that? And so their hourly rates are much lower than mine. So when you're comparing just hourly rates alone, you also need to look at how would that person work with me? So I can average out and reduce my hourly rate and work much more cost efficiently for a client, but they may not necessarily pick that up if you're just looking at hourly rates. So it's about asking in that initial call, how do you work? Um, And also it's difficult because you never know at that early stage, how is the case going to resolve? Are we going to be super amicable and this is going to be done and dusted fairly swiftly? 
is this going to be highly litigious and we're going to be going off to the high court and having battles and constant hearings? So answering that kind of how much is this going to cost me is a how long is a piece of string kind of question because you just don't know. But after I've had a, a more detailed and an advisory meeting with a client, I tend to get a good idea of where I think the scope is. Right. So I will then send like an estimate of costs and it's it's a bracket, you know, if, if this, between this and that. Um, but, you know, you just never know. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. So even if my client is saying, it will be super amicable, this will be fine, who knows what their partner might be like. Exactly. Well, I've seen lots of those cases where yeah. you know, estimates are you know, way over because the other side are doing things that you could never have anticipated. Yeah. Um, especially in abusive scenarios. I think those are the ones that tend to get out of control quite quickly, don't they? Yeah. And use the costs as another weapon. Yes, absolutely. To punish the ex. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Absolutely. OK, so. Explain, if you can, a little bit to us about you know, what does the divorce process look like? If you're going to a lawyer, what should you expect from the process? A lot of people say to me, I don't know anything about the process, Sarah. How does it work? That's a great question, because not only do people not always know, but it's actually changed this year. So it's only a few months ago we had the new no-fault divorce laws come in. And I think that's made it harder to understand now what happens, because there's a bit of a mix now of, I'm sure I saw something about what the old rules were, but also so much of our media and our TV references American or other countries' laws. So, and if you Google, who knows what website, which laws it's referring to. So our laws are specific to England and Wales. Scotland have got different ones. So um, those are the laws that are going to apply if you're trying to get divorced in this jurisdiction doesn't mean you have to be English, but it just means if you want to divorce here. And the process is now far more streamlined. So we've now got no fault divorce. And that's the only option, but it's all online. It's, it's really user friendly for the majority of my clients, unless there are any technicalities, any international issues or urgency. I'm actually saying to most of my clients, look, you can do this yourself. I'm always there in the background to advise if they've got any questions, if they're not sure. But because it is all on the government website now, it's it's a tick box exercise. It's really easy. You set up an account. One of you or both of you together can apply for a divorce. So you just simply have to say the marriage is irretrievably broken down. You need not give any further detail than that. You don't have to lay blame. It doesn't matter if someone's committed adultery. It doesn't matter if you've been separated for a certain period of time. That's all that needs to be said. And it's entirely new that we now have the option of a joint application. I wouldn't say they're as popular as they were expected to be. Oh, really? Um, yeah, I think it was kind of put out there as this new kind of quite exciting, you go into court skipping, holding hands, kind of, look, we're going to do this jointly. But the reality is it's new. One person makes a decision, I want a divorce more so than the other, or it might just be one's more of deals with the admin than the other. So I haven't seen so many of the joint. Um but the application gets submitted all online. The respondent, so the person, if it's a sole application, the person receiving the petition 
again, responds all online. There are certain waiting periods. So it's all quite formulaic. It's very user-friendly. It's very, that divorce side is fairly easy and straightforward now. The difficulties which people refer to under the umbrella of a divorce is really arrangements for the children, the practical things like what happens now with the house? Where am I going to live? Um, And financially, who gets what? How am I going to afford to stay in the house? Do I now need to get a job? Who's going to pay for the kids' school fees? You know, all of those kind of very practical arrangements. Lawyers tend to refer to that as the divorce is that online process. Then it's your finances and the children's arrangements. But I think a lay person would generically refer to all of that as a divorce. Yeah. And our laws are really wide and discretionary. There's no formula. So that's where you need that good expert lawyer who specializes in this type of area that applies to your circumstances, because you need someone who is experienced enough to really have a good understanding of the law and in practice to then be able to say, right, listening to your circumstances, looking at your family's financial circumstances and your children and their particular needs and and, um, wishes, this is what I think would be a good option. These or these options could be available to you. So it's then that applying. So the process really for me is get legal advice as soon as you can, not only because you will feel so much better because you've got a bit of clarity, but also because then you can get a bit of a strategy from that initial meeting of, right, I've got some options. You can feel more confident going back to your spouse or partner if you are still talking in actually having just a little bit of knowledge and thinking, well, at least I know this is right. Mm. Because so often people have these massive arguments from the outset. They're saying, I'm keeping the house or you're not seeing the kids. And those kind of comments that flare up in arguments really are unhelpful. They're probably based on hearing what happened to a friend, based on seeing things on TV that don't apply. Um, And they can stick and people can get entrenched then in those opinions and those positions. And it's really hard to row back and make it more amicable. So getting early legal advice, having that detailed legal meeting, getting your options and and your options for what your strategy to progress this could be. And not only strategy for progressing, you know, what the outcome, what the goal is, but strategy of how are we going to do this with my partner? So, you know, carry on talking directly. And very often I'm increasingly ghost writing or ghost advising with my clients now. So I'm not necessarily out there writing legal letters on my letterhead and sending it off to their lawyer. I'm behind the scenes helping my client write an email or a text message that they will send. And it really does help in taking the the fire out of the flame. Mm. Um, So the process really is different depending on each person's circumstances. But the start will always be get decent legal advice as early as possible and then the divorce if it is a divorce case that's fairly straightforward the rest is specific to those circumstances 
Hi, it's Sarah Davison here, the Divorce Coach. I hope you're enjoying this episode of Heartbreak to Happiness. I just wanted to let you know about a free gift I've got for you, which I know will help you if you're struggling with your breakup or divorce right now. I'd like to offer you a free week's membership of my Heartbreak to Happiness online support group sessions with unlimited access to any of the groups during this time. So what are they? Well, these are friendly and confidential online support groups run by my accredited coaches. I've designed them to ensure that you know you're not alone and there is help and support out there to help you cope better. One delegate, Jane, said after her first session, I can't believe how much better I feel in just one hour. Another delegate, Wendy, said, my friends and family are so fed up of hearing me talk about this and now I finally feel like I've found my tribe. I've designed these sessions so you'll meet other people going through similar situations and you'll be able to share your story in a safe space. My specialist coaches are all trained personally by me and are there to offer support and help to enable you to dial down those negative emotions and let go of your ex. So I wanted to make a special offer to all my podcast listeners, which is a three weeks access to this unique support. It means that you will have access to as many support sessions as you would like to attend in a week. And we've got lots of days and different times to choose from. This is a great way to start to take your power back and help you feel more empowered. Remember, as I always say, it's not what happens to you that defines you. It's what you do about it that makes you the person you are. So sign up now at www.saradavison.com forward slash support group. That's saradavison.com forward slash support group to claim your free gift and to move from your heartbreak to happiness. A lot of people get confused about the court side of it. You know, you don't have to go to court, do you? So where does court become uh, a, a useful tool, dare I say it, because I'm really fine, the court's totally antiquated <laughs> and lots of other challenges with the family courts these days. Um, but, you know, where is it, you know, you, you have no choice but to go to court and where can you sort of pull back and maybe avoid court, which obviously would be recommended? Yeah, I mean, most of my cases don't involve court, but for, you know, rubber stamping the paperwork. So most cases settle without even going to court. It's all done on paper, submitted online. Um, so really it's about trying everything you can to avoid court and court is always a last resort. Now, if there is an emergency situation, if there is kind of financial control or, you know, it's, funds are being withheld, you're in a dire situation or someone won't disclose their finances um, and you have tried yourself, your lawyers have tried, you've tried mediation, then that's when you, you know, okay, well, I've tried every other route to make progress, to invite them to play ball and do this amicably. The only thing you can do if someone is not 
properly engaging is court. Court is where you then have the teeth to enforce something. So really, it's not something you rush to. Obviously, you need the, the divorce to start. And the only way you can do the divorce is through court. But as I said, that's online. You don't actually have to physically go to court. The finances, you know, you would try and say, can we agree to exchange financial disclosure between us? You try and do that without needing court. It's only if someone is being difficult, unwilling to engage, or there is an emergency or a dangerous situation that you would then use court either to force somebody to do something or as a preventative protective measure. Right. Okay. That makes sense. So, I mean, ultimately keeping out of court because it is a bit of a casino, isn't it? It's just very dependent on the judge and, you know, how you put your case across and so many moving parts. Yeah. If you, if you don't want to go to court, you mentioned mediation before. Can, can that be a good way to resolve some of these conflicts? I mean, there's a huge rise of people using mediation, but also private hearing. So um, we have mediation, which is really common. Actually, the government have been doing some vouchers to support funding for initial meetings. Um, but it's great because it's an independent third party. I would always recommend finding a mediator who is also a practicing family lawyer, because you don't actually have to be a family lawyer to be a family mediator. But I would recommend you find one that is. Um, and they will help you to talk through the dispute, talk through your options, but they can't legally advise either of you. So usually you would do it with you both having your legal advisors in the background. And that is resolved, that has resolved so many cases and kept a lot of cases out of court. And even once in court, particularly for children's cases, the judges can still say, well, let's postpone these court proceedings to give you both time to now go and try mediation. So um, mediation is very much an advocated route forward for, for couples. Arbitration and private hearings are incredibly popular at the moment, particularly post-COVID, where the courts just are really still struggling. It's where you select your own judge and pay for your own private judge, a little bit similar to looking at it as the NHS and private health. So we've got the court process, the NHS, the public process, or you've got your private route. Obviously, there's no private health insurance for these things, but you can choose an ex, a retired judge, a, a senior barrister, and they will act and preside over your dispute as a judge. They, you will have to pay them, but far often it is a far more economical and quicker process because they can be ready. You know, you could be waiting months for a court hearing. They could be ready in two weeks' time. And they will also have far more time to dedicate to your case. They will sit and they will read all the papers because they've got the time to dedicate to it. So you will get a better service as well. Um, and that is another really good route. Private hearings, you can't for uh, uh, and arbitration, you can't force somebody to undertake that with you. So you've both got to agree to use that process. In private hearings, a judge's decision is not automatically binding on you. So again, it relies upon you to both agree that you will go with whatever that decision is, and then you would submit it to the court for approval as a consent order, so an, an order by agreement. 
Arbitration, however, the decision is binding upon you. So that can be a really useful tool as well to say, look, we're not getting anywhere. We don't want to have to wait for the court proceedings in order to make sure that if we're going to go down this kind of more private route, let's arbitrate this so that we can bind whatever that decision is on the parties. No one's going to try and renege. What's the downside of that then? Why doesn't why don't most people do that rather than waiting for the court? Cost. Um, because you still would want to pay for your own representation. So your barrister, your legal team, your solicitors and the preparation. And in addition, you're paying for the private judge. Um, but really, I think it's just about time. It's a fairly new concept to, to people still. So it can be a bit of a harder sell to say, look, you can wait a few months to the court hearing and you'll have luck of the draw on the judge. You don't get to select your judge. The judge probably will be inundated and have multiple hearings listed at the same time as yours. And they won't necessarily have that all the time they can to read this. Or you can pay privately and you can get this. Sometimes it is just a that that sounds like a lot, you know, and I don't know, you know, it's not as commonly known. It's that mm-hmm. kind of hesitation. But for my high net worth clients, it's a really easy option. And I think it's increasingly common for those who the cost is not off-putting. And actually the cost doesn't need to be off-putting because you just, you know, go for someone who is within your remit. So if it's not a high net worth case, do you really need a retired high court judge as your judge? No, you don't. So I think it's more just, it's going to become, it's it's about the kind of people understanding it. Yeah. Do you go to a court setting for that or where do those take place? We host them in our offices or we can go to the chambers of um, the judge or the chambers of a barrister. You just need basically a decent sized boardroom table and you all sit around it. And as long as you've got two other rooms, private rooms, like breakout rooms, that's all you need. Because that's what it would be in court, because family yeah. courts are not like you see on EastEnders, are they? They are <laughs> private. Sometimes you are sat around what looks like a giant dining room table. Um, that's So it can be anywhere. And again, that's part of the beauty of it. You can make it as con- much more convenient. Yeah. So, I mean, there is a lot of emotional stress when you go to a court. It's intimidating. I've had the unfortunate experience of going many, many times to many different Mm -hmm. courts, high courts, local courts, you name it, been there. Um, And they are intimidating. And 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 you're already in a heightened state of worry and concern going in anyway. Um, So, yeah, I think that that sounds like a, a, a probably a slightly easier route from that perspective. Um, Laura, with your clients that are emotional, I mean, obviously, lawyers, you know, you have to strip a lot of the emotion out, don't you? So what yeah. do you do if a client is very emotional or upset or struggling to cope? Well, in my initial meeting, I always talk to them about getting their support team around them. So making sure that they've spoken with their GP if they need it, making sure they've got kind of a therapist or a counsellor someone that they can independently and privately, you know, get their feelings out on because lawyers will hear it. And sometimes it is relevant and you need to tell us those things. But sometimes, you know, we're a very expensive 
outsource for that. So um, making sure you're talking, you know, that they've got the right people for the right job in place. Um, but if they're very emotional, then it's about reading them. And that's where, as we were talking at the beginning, having that personality match with your client is really important. They should feel able to call you and be emotional and be angry or cry with you. And it's about then understanding them, understanding what is going on with them and then saying, right, I think you need a bit of time. So let's not do anything this week. Let's reconvene next week or let's not talk about it on the phone. I'll put it in writing because I think that would be easier for you. You can look back on it. Um, So it's learning about how your client works best and and playing to their strengths. You know, not just being emotional. I have clients who are autistic, um, you know, or something like that. And they'll say to me, right, I, I struggle with with this. So learning how to work with your client is really important as well as their own support network yeah I I think that's so right finding that as you said at the beginning that's the most important part finding the lawyer that's going to be the best fit for you for your case yeah on all areas whether that's emotional financial the whole thing and has the experience I mean such such good advice Laura as always um where can people find you if they want to work with you or follow you where can they go well, I mean, the, the first place, if you're on Instagram, is look me up on there. I'm at the family lawyer. Um, you can email me, laura.naser, N-A-S-E-R, at penningtonslaw.com. Or you can pick up the phone, um, 01483 Um, But even if you're on Instagram, you can press a button and you can call me from there or message me on there. I get a lot of people contact me through DMs, so... Um, whatever is easiest, um, people can always reach out to me. Even if it's to say, look, I really want to work with you. I don't know if I can afford you. Who else do you recommend? I'm more than happy to help. Oh, that's great. Yeah. I mean, you are an inspiration. I mean, you do help a lot of people with your social media. So yeah, I really advise everyone to head on over and check out your Instagram and find out just the tips and the advice you give. You're always on there, it seems. And, and it's such valuable and, and reassuring information when you can really understand and translate from what your own lawyer is saying into everyday speak. So thank you, Laura, Laura, for coming on and for being a fabulous guest. Well, thank you so much. Oh, it's been great having you. Thank you so much. That's it for today's episode. Do head on over to The Family Lawyer on Instagram to follow Laura and also get a copy of her book, The Family Lawyer's Guide to Separation and Divorce. And I look forward to you joining me on my next episode. That's it for today's episode of Heartbreak to Happiness. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review to win a free ticket to Sarah's virtual Heartbreak to Happiness retreat. This is a transformative combination of live webinars with Sarah herself, coupled with her empowering online video program designed to help you cope better with your breakup and start feeling happy again. Thank you and join us again on the next episode for another dose of Heartbreak to Happiness.